Speak to us now, O Lord. We pray, speak to our souls today, for this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We are ready for your word. God, I pray that with every obstacle that the devil has thrown this day to stop this day from coming, I praise you, God, that for the, because of the faithfulness of you and your people, I pray, God, that today you will change lives in time and eternity and equip us to be able to do the work that you have called us to do, to make disciples of all men and all women, to help those who need you come to know you and those who know you to grow in you. We bless you and we give you glory and honor right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, pull out your phones or your tablets. Got a survey question for you today. And here's the question. What's the main reason people are reluctant or hesitant to share the gospel with others? All right, so text the word good hope to 22333. 22333, and you'll get a confirmation response in five to 10 seconds. And answer A, B, C, D, E, or F. Now, here's what's interesting. What we're talking about today is really the foundation of what God commands us to do. And that's discipleship. And when we talk about discipleship, remember what we said. Discipleship is made up of two parts, biblically, evangelism and edification. We help people come to know Jesus and we help people grow in Jesus. And we are in the business of making disciples who make disciples in order to make disciples. Somebody in here, you came to faith in Jesus and you were excited when you gave your life to the Lord. The problem is you have kept Jesus all to yourself. And many of us have not transferred the knowledge that we have of Jesus to other people, including people in our family. So today I want to make sure of two things. One, that you're saved. I want to make sure without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Now, for somebody, you may find that offensive. And that may be an indicator that you're not saved. I can tell you at a prior church that I pastored, when I got there, I met with every leader, every staff member to talk to them about their salvation experience, just like I did here. The surprising thing was I led two deacons to Christ who could not tell me when they had asked Jesus Christ into their life or even if they had asked Jesus Christ into their life. They start talking about, well, you know, they broke the water when, when it was ice outside and I, when I got dipped in the bayou. I said, well, but when did you accept Jesus Christ? As you say, when did you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe? Couldn't tell me because they never had. I let a minister to music, a music to Christ, who had been playing in the church for 25 years. 
He could hear instruments and voices. Gifted, could sing everything. But they told me when I got there, they said, listen, Pastor, you might have to deal with this, and you're probably going to have to get another music, uh, a minister of music. And I said, why? They said, well, he kind of has a temper. He throws books at the choir members when they're in rehearsal and slams the piano down when they don't sing right and storms out and all this stuff. And I said, really? And so I sat down and met with him. And I said, hey, brother. I said, first of all, man, I need you to know we have to have a partnership. There's no competition between the pulpit and the instruments. We're the priests and the Levites, man. We got to work the thing together, man. I need you in order to actualize the word of God in the lives of people musically. I said, tell me about your salvation experience. He was as quiet as you are right now. I said, tell me when you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. And I led him to Christ. He said to me when I left that church to come here to Good Hope, he said, pastor, he said, when you came to this church, None of us thought you were going to be here that long. And we were trying to figure out, why would God send him to us? And he said, I know today, if God didn't send you for any other reason, he sent you so I would know him as my Savior. See, the truth of the matter is, all of us know this, but let me just state it for the record. Being in church doesn't make you saved any more than standing in the garage makes you a car. For many of us, our religious experience is more cultural than it is rooted in a commitment to Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Don't get it twisted. You can go to a whole lot of places where you will be made to feel good in your sin. They'll celebrate you. In your sin. Every sermon you're going to hear is going to be about haters. But at the end of the day, you got to walk this thing. If you want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So today I want to talk to you from the thought, the three circles to salvation. The three circles to salvation. Whether you chose A, B, C, D, E, F. G, no, it didn't go that far, but some of y'all want to type all of the above. I already know. See, here's some of the questions that you and I need to answer. First of all, at what point of spiritual maturity do you have to be in order to be spiritual enough to disciple somebody? See, when we talk about that feeling of inadequacy that the overwhelming majority of you checked, that's rooted in the fact that you don't feel you're spiritual enough to help somebody come to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. Maybe here's another question. Is there ever a time when you were too immature to disciple somebody? Pastor, I'm just trying to grow. I'm trying to get there. I'm struggling myself every day. I can't tell somebody else about Jesus. And here's what you and I need to understand. Discipleship, evangelism, and edification is not a program. It's a journey. It's a lifetime journey, and you are to always be in one of two places, if not both of them simultaneously, being discipled and discipling somebody else. The three circles are a simple way for you 
to figure out how to share your faith. And we're going to do that today. But let me walk you through these points very quickly to help you get an idea of what it means to make sure that you're saved and then to help you help somebody else get saved. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to know God's design for your life. What is God's design for your life? Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. We see beauty, purpose, and evidence of God's handiwork everywhere we look. And the Bible says that God has a plan for your life. Now, the problem is we typically are praying, asking God to bless our plan for our life. Instead of praying, asking God for wisdom to show us what his plan is for our lives. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. God made each of us with a purpose. Purpose. A purpose. What does that purpose look like? That purpose really manifests itself in four ways. To worship him, to walk with him, to work for him, and to witness for him. Each of us have been created with a purpose. To worship, to walk, to witness, and to work for him. Look at Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. You will hear people say that everybody on the earth has to hear about the saving message of Jesus before he'll come back. But that's not true. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. That nature testifies to the fact that there is a creator. Watch this. The knowledge of the creator is not enough to save you, but it is enough to condemn you if you don't seek who he is. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to recognize how sin changed your life. Sin changed your life. Romans 3.23, let's read it together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I want you to notice what's not in there. It doesn't say for y'all have sinned, which is how many of us recite this scripture, right? We recite this scripture from a pedestal and a platform. We pontificate and preach and proclaim from a place as if we know no sin. One of the reasons that some folk don't want to hear your testimony is because your testimony is more condemning of them than it is telling the story of what God has done in your life. Paul says, all have sinned. See, life doesn't work when we ignore God and his original design for our lives. The truth of the matter is we selfishly insist on doing things our way. And the Bible says when we do things our way, it's called sin. 
when we fall short of the glory of God, it's called sin. And it doesn't matter whether it's a sin of omission or commission. In other words, what you leave undone that you should do or when you do what you have no business doing. It doesn't matter if the sin is overt, covert, or inadvertent. God says sin is sin when you fall short of my glory. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. You know what's interesting to me? Whenever I hear sinners condemn other sinners because of the perceived greatness of the degree of their sin. Let, let me see. Let me put a cord in the media and stop. Them it's like, oh, them sinners over there. Wait a minute, but you a sinner. Yeah, but they real sinners. I ain't no sinner like that. That's a real sin over there. You know how many sins you need to commit? How many sins you need to live apart from the grace of God in order to disqualify you for glory? Just one. Pick your one. See, the late Dr. E.V. Hill said the only way you can live above sin is to have an apartment above a sinner. Some of y'all will get that on 288. Yeah. Here's the third thing. You need to realize the result of sin is brokenness. The result of sin is brokenness. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 24, the ESV translation says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. See, here's what we do. We say that wrong is right because wrong is right in our hearts. We have a whole generation of people whose theme song is, if loving whoever I want is wrong, I don't want to be right. And they want the grace of God. But you cannot claim the grace of God apart from the truth of God. You cannot claim it's not sin and then claim you got God's grace. And whatever your sin of choice is, whether it's too many entries or too many exits, God wants you to understand that it's got to be sin before you can get to his grace. But, but here's the problem. This brokenness that shows up. And can I tell you what most of us do? We hide our brokenness behind the fig leaves of our own creation. You, you remember Adam and Eve 
when, when they fell into sin and, and the Bible says they realized they were naked and they had to make up their own fig leaves to try to cover themselves. And that's what we do. We gather fig leaves to cover up our own brokenness. It's the fig leaves of what we wear and the fig leaves of where we live and the fig leaves of what we drive. We, we cover up our nakedness, our brokenness with fig leaves. And when the storms of life start raging and them fig leaves start blowing in the wind, all of a sudden we start seeing a private side become very public. We're seeing in our midst the brokenness of humanity. We're seeing people road rage, killing people like never before because of the brokenness that people have inside of them. Life is not precious in people's sight. It is valueless for many people. And we have a generation of young people who are not afraid to die. They are afraid to live because they don't know how to live, but they know how to die. Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We've got sin in our nature. That's why you never have to teach your children how to do wrong. You may have to teach them how to do wrong better. But you don't ever have to teach them how to do wrong. They were born doing wrong. They were born being selfish, self-centered. It's all about them. That's how they were born. And some of y'all are still walking around, grown folk with that sin nature still in you. Like the world revolves around you and everybody ought to recognize that. <laughs> Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let's go to number four. Number four, you need to realize the remedy for sin is the gospel. The remedy for sin is the gospel. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, we normally stop at verse 16, but let's read verse 17 together. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, I want you to go back to verse 17 for me. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Child of God, listen. If God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, why do you think it's your responsibility to condemn the world? 
if judgment is not part of Jesus's job description, why are you failing to realize that judgment is above your pay grade? See, when you recognize the, the, the presence of brokenness, you need to recognize the need for the good news. 99.9% of the people you interact with, including yourself, are broken someplace. Wise man once told me, he said, we, we respond to what? We never ask why. We want to be judged by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. We say, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't intend to. But as soon as somebody else messes up, we look at them and say, see what they did? Well, what did they mean? What did they intend? I ain't got nothing to do with it. Look at what they did. The Bible says, Colossians 2, verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Go to number five. In order for you to receive the gospel in your life, you must repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15 says, And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Simply hearing the gospel is not enough. Simply coming to church is not enough. Simply watching broadcasts is not enough. Simply listening to Christian radio is not enough. He says, you've got to repent and believe. We believe in a believer's baptism. That's why we do not baptize children, because children do not have the cognitive ability as young children until they get to an age where they can understand what it means to repent and believe in order to be baptized. So we don't baptize infants, because infants don't have the cognitive ability to repent believe in order to be baptized. That word repent is an interesting word because it, it literally means to act differently afterwards. Listen, repentance is not just being sorry, right? Repentance is being sorry for what you did and then making a decision to change your behavior. See, some folk are sorry, but they don't want to repent. Some folk are sorry because they got caught. Some folk are sorry because they did something to hurt somebody, but they don't want to change their behavior. God says you must repent. Sorry, God, for my sin, and then make a commitment to change your behavior. 180 degrees, not 360 because you're going to end up facing the same place you just came from. <laughs> I love when people say, I'm going to make a 360 degree turn. You mean just <laughs> go right back to where you were? 
No, it's 180 degrees. That means I'm going this way. I'm going opposite from the way I've been going. To believe signifies putting your confidence and your trust in. He says, if you're going to address sin in your life, if you're going to address the brokenness in your life, you must repent and believe in the gospel. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I don't care how righteous you think you are. Your salvation is rooted in the grace of God. Now, I, listen, listen. I, I need you to hear me because here's what I hear somebody saying right now. See, part of that inadequacy that some of y'all are feeling, part of that I'm not spiritual enough, is because you think your salvation is rooted in you. And you fail to understand that just like grace is needed by somebody else, grace is needed by you. And you think now because you don't go where you used to go and do all that you used to do and say all that you used to say, some of that has nothing to do with sanctification. Some of that just has to do with old age. You get quiet on me if you... <laughs> you used to stay out all night long and close the joint down. Now you at home. That's just because you're tired. You can't go like you used to go. That ain't holiness. That's old age. That's all. Some common sense. Need your rest. Come on, somebody help me in here. But even when you don't do those things, because you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and sin is at your core, every morning you get up, it's an expression of grace. You didn't get up this morning because of something you did yesterday to warrant or justify God waking you up. It was grace that touched you this morning. Lord have mercy. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's go to the final point, number six. When you receive the gospel in your life, you have the opportunity to recover and pursue God's design for your life. How do you get back to God's design for your life? How do you get to the place where you can walk in victory? Look at John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, let me go back just for a moment. I told you that you are saved by grace. Here's what you need to help other people understand, that they will be saved by grace. And if somebody looks at your life and says, well, you know what? Your life is not where it should be. You're not living the way, or I knew you when, and I remember you when. You say, God bless you. I'm so glad you remember me when. I need you to know me now. I need you to know what God is doing in my life now. You need to let other folk know that the same grace that's working on you wants to work on them. It's that same grace that God has made available to save you. It's available to save them. 
text says, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Even when you fall, somebody can testify that the restoring power of God is still available, helping me to continue my journey to becoming what God wants me to be. Look at Jeremiah 29, start at verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Seek God. Philippians chapter 2, go down to verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, here's the question. What should you do now? Here's what I want you to do for me right now. I'm not going to ask if you're saved. I'm not going to ask if you're a member of the church. I'm assuming none of you know Jesus. I'm assuming none of you know Jesus. Here's why I'm making that assumption. Because if I assume all of you know Jesus, I'm going to miss somebody. If I assume all of you know Jesus, then somebody's going to leave here under the cover of somebody else's blanket. Every head bow, every eye closed. Now that you've heard the good news, God wants you to respond. You can use your own words. I'm going to lead you in some words that I want you to repeat after me. If you know the Lord, listen to me carefully, you repeating these words is like repeating marriage vows. Somebody said, what do you mean, Pastor? You, you ever been to a service where somebody renewed their vows? They didn't repeat the vows because the first ones were no good. They repeated the vows because what they're saying is, if I had to do it over, I'd do it all over again. And I want you to say it out loud in case there's somebody next to you, behind you, or in front of you. There might be somebody who's watching you right now. And they need to say it. And they may not be comfortable if you're not saying it. So if this is not for you, do it for somebody else. Repeat after me. Dear God, my life is broken. And it's because of the sin in my life. I believe Jesus Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all. Help me to follow him all of my days. And may I live to your glory in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise today. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise today.
Come on, somebody give God some praise for salvation today. Come on, if you know that you know you've been saved. Come on, somebody give God some praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. Not perfect, saved. Not sinless, but saved. By grace and mercy, saved. Come on, look at somebody on your left and tell them you're saved. Look at somebody, tell them I'm saved, I'm saved. Look at somebody else, tell them I'm saved, I'm saved. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. By faith, I'm saved. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Now everyone who can, stand on your feet wherever you are. Here's what I want you to do for me. All this month, we're going to be working on these three circles. All this month, I'm going to be giving you material. I want you to be comfortable in sharing your faith. I, if somebody comes to you and says, man, are you a Christian? I want to know how to ask Jesus Christ into my life. I want to give you the basics. I want to give you the basic tools. You may put it in your own word, but, but here's, here's what God says. If you confess with your mouth, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And can I tell you something? You will never know more sinners in your life who need Jesus than the day you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Some of y'all don't get it. Some of y'all been Christians so long, y'all professional Christians. Like you don't even, you don't even deal with unchurched and unsaved people. You're like, I don't even talk to them. I shake the dust off my feet. But How are they going to come to know Jesus if you don't share Jesus with them? How can you witness to somebody you won't talk to? Man, you go to the family reunion and you know that's that unchurched, unsaved, unholy group over there? That, that embodiment of Satan, that part of your family? That's where you need to go sit. Hey, where you need to go? You better like, praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing? Oh, Lord, what you doing over here? You want something to drink? Mm -mm. No, I don't want nothing to drink. Just want to sit over here and talk to y'all. How y'all doing? Listen to me. Everybody can identify with brokenness. Everybody can identify with sin. But everybody has not been exposed to God's grace. Now, if you're here today, you've never asked the Lord into your life, but you did today. You prayed that prayer. I want to give you an opportunity to become part of our church family. We want to love on you where you are. We don't want you to walk by yourself. Like, like a new babe born in a hospital. They don't put that baby out on the street and say, okay, now make it. They've got to be loved. They've got to be nurtured. They've got to be encouraged. And we want to do that for you. And we want to start today.
So if you have asked the Lord into your life and you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, I want to extend that invitation for you to come right now. The men and women who are coming up would love to show you how to become part of our church family so we can love you, we can encourage you, we can pray for you and help you get where God wants you to be. Come on, we offer Christ. Man, I hope and pray you were blessed. I hope and pray you were challenged by today's message, the three circles to salvation. And I hope one of the things you picked up is that uh, there's many different ways that you can use the three circles when it comes to sharing your faith. If somebody comes to you and they are despondent, depressed, and they feel like their life is just broken, they're just being beat up, man, you can take them. You know, God has a design for your life. And here's God's design for your life. And you know, in order to find a remedy for this, there's something that you have to do because brokenness is the result of sin. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, there's so many ways that you can talk about this salvation experience. Now, listen, I want to encourage you today. First of all, if you have asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, please use the link and let us know I became a Christian today. I got saved today. Let us know that. I, I want to hear that. I want to hear that testimony. And if you've united with our church, tell us that you have joined the church or you want to join the church and let us know that God is doing something amazing in your life. We want to celebrate it. I don't care where it is, near or far, across the pond, across the water, across the earth. We want to celebrate you coming into the kingdom of God. Now, if you want to worship the Lord in giving, listen, your giving is sowing good seed into good ground. And there are six different ways you can worship the Lord in giving here at the Good Hope Church. And I want to encourage you to give as God has blessed you, give as God has prospered you, make giving what it truly is, an act of worship. And if it's an act of worship, it shouldn't be rote, ritualistic or routine. You should be praying about it and saying, Lord, beyond the 10 percent, beyond the tithe, Lord, what do you want me to give to the kingdom work today? And let the spirit of God lead you. Let the Lord speak to you as to how he wants you to support the kingdom work here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church and I Hope Church. Last but not least, God is doing something amazing in you. Man, I hope and pray you're able to just step back and see it. If not, do that. See what God is doing. Sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. We're so busy in the work 
that we miss seeing the work that God is doing in us. Step back, look at how far God has brought you and celebrate it as you continue on your path to becoming what God wants you to be. Until next time, God bless is my prayer.